Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. If you would this morning, we'll begin in just a few moments in verse 19, but Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, within your Bibles this morning. General Motors. General Motors, a GM interviewer, was uh, closing up uh, an interview with a recent graduate from MIT, a young engineer. And the interviewer looked the young man in the eye and said, uh, Okay, what starting salary were you thinking about? The young engineer simply shared and smiled. Well, I was thinking about 150 grand a year starting pay, depending upon the benefits package. The interviewer shot back, well, what would you say to a package of five weeks paid vacation, 14 paid holidays, full medical and dental benefits, and the company, GM, matching uh, your retirement fund up to 50% of your total compensation and a company car leased every two years, and that car will be a red vet of your choice. The young engineer sat straight up and said, Wow, are you kidding? The interviewer said, yeah, but you started it. Money, money. I want to talk about money this morning. That's why I'm excited. Money is an exciting topic. I mean, you don't believe me. Try take a $20 bill from the person sitting next to you right now. Try getting in their purse or their wallet. Huh? You'll find out how exciting this topic is. And now, now, look around you. There might be some super spiritual people that are saying, well, there he goes, talking about money. I wish he'd preach the gospel instead of talking about money. Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined. There are 38 parables that Jesus shared in the Gospels. 16 of those parables are about money management. There are more verses in the New Testament on money than there are on prayer. There are 500 verses approximately teaching us about prayer in the New Testament of your Bible, and there's more than 2,000 verses on money, possessions, and the management thereof. The Bible is the greatest financial manual ever written. And there's the practical aspect as well. Most of my counseling young people, with either your parents or young married couples, hear me in this, it all comes back down to money. Nine out of ten divorces today one of the root causes, money. Money, it's been determined that 89% of all marital and family discord can be traced to money and its management within the home. Money. Yeah. That's why I say it's an exciting topic. It's a Bible topic. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. No one. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, he'll be devoted to the one, and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot serve both God and money. Do you see what Jesus is presenting here? Jesus is presenting two strategies, two lifestyles, two plans, two outcomes when it comes to living. Which are you following? Jesus doesn't offer any middle ground because there's really only two plans you can follow in this life. You're either following God's prosperity plan or the devil's poverty plan. Throughout this message, I want you to do a personal inventory and ask yourself, whose plan are you following? I hope and pray you're following the title of this message, God's Prosperity Plan. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, grant us ears that we might hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. I ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everyone in agreement would say, Amen. If you'd like to follow along with me this morning, I've given you a sermon study guide. You can fill in the blanks if you don't want to follow along with me in the sermon study guide, then just give me your mental notepad. Would you do that this morning? Amen. Point number one, real prosperity is knowing that God desires to bless His children. Bless His children. How can you spot somebody on a poverty plan? One of the big chief indicators is that they see God, they perceive God, as being a divine tightwad, stingy, a miser, the eternal Scrooge who is tight-fisted instead of open-handed with his children. If you ever sense that in someone, note they're following a poverty plan, the devil's poverty plan. The Bible reveals the complete opposite that God, our Father, He desires to bless His children. If you don't believe me, let's check out God's Word real quickly. Deuteronomy 8.18 Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. Joshua 1.8 Keep this book of the law always on your lips, Joshua. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written into it. That's the qualifier. What's the result? Then you will be prosperous and successful. How about Psalms chapter 1? Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Here it is again. Whatever they do prospers. Just like with Joshua. Psalms 35. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. You think God takes delight in the poverty of His servants? 
extol the prosperity of his servants. Proverbs 8.21, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill, <laughs> fill their treasuries. Matthew 7.11, if you then at Christmas time, well, that's my paraphrase, know how to give good gifts to your children. If you know how to give good gifts to your children and grandchildren, how much more? Say it with me. How much more? Again, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And how about this from Jesus? Because some of you are just saying, well, it, that's just an Old Testament teaching. Again, listen to what Jesus says. In Mark 10, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or fields for me. Some of you have taken a big step with your family to come to a church like this, to sell out for Jesus Christ. What's the Lord's promise? And the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in heaven. Is that what, is that what it says there? In heaven? A hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields. You're seeing here that prosperity deals with much more than just money. Along with persecutions. Yes, we already know that. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And in the age to come, eternal life. God's prosperity takes place on both sides of the eternal Jordan. He owns the land on both sides, the earth and heaven. That's where God's prosperity is. How much is a hundredfold blessing? How much is hundredfold prosperity percent-wise? You mathematicians, you financial planners out there, you living human calculators out there, how much is a hundredfold blessing in this present age? That's 10,000% increase. Hallelujah. I can handle that. How about you? I'm talking about God's prosperity plan. I'm talking about God's desire to bless you and I. Paul picks up this teaching in 1 Timothy 6. God gives us richly some things, no all things to enjoy. And 3 John 2, 3 John 2, we can't dismiss this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper, again, not in some things, in all things, and be in health, just as your soul prospers. I hope you see from the clear teaching of God's Word from front and back, from page to page, cover to cover, God, His heart, His desire, His passion is to bless you, to prosper you, to be good to you. He's a good God, a great God. A pastor leaned over his pulpit and looked at his congregation and said, I have some good news and I've got some bad news for you. I'll give you the good news first. The good news is that we have all the money that is needed to fund church expenses, 
to pay the bills this month, to fund our children's and our youth and our adult ministries. We have all the money needed to supply our Christmas big give that's taking place under the leadership of Kevin and Yvonne Callahan. We have all the money that is needed to fund our Cuban missions trip and pay for the materials and the construction supplies. That's the good news. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. I hope after the offering this morning that is not true. Why? Why does God desire to prosper us? Why does God desire to bless us? So that you can be a blessing to others. Not to feed our selfish desires. If you tune me out because you think I'm, I'm preaching some false teaching or false gospel, then wake up right now. Because God's prosperity is not to feed our materialistic, our selfish desires. His prosperity is to use you as a channel, a blessing, that you may receive blessings so that you can be a blessing to others for the glory of God. The Lord's number one priority in this world is lost souls. Lost souls. God believed so much in lost souls, He did not give silver or gold. He gave His most precious, precious, beloved item in his life, his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that verse begins with, God so loved the world. When you move <laughs> into blessing God's number one top priority, lost souls that will spend an eternity in hell, when you make a difference in that area, watch the blessing come. Watch the prosperity come. Because you have touched upon God's number one heartbeat, His lost children that are away from Him. If you'll invest in the winning of souls, God will give you abundance that you cannot contain. Mark it down. I want you to know that there's a difference between divine prosperity and the world's idea of prosperity. This is where we get mixed up time and time again. Any prosperity teaching, any Prosperity teaching that promotes the world's idea of prosperity is false and unbiblical in the name of Jesus Christ. I say that upon the authority of Holy Scripture. The world's idea of prosperity namely revolves around money and what money can buy. God's prosperity is not limited like the world's idea of prosperity. God's idea of prosperity is unlimited. Unlimited. For instance, you can be a zillionaire and be on your deathbed because money cannot buy health. I don't care how many fancy doctors you have around you. Ultimately, money cannot buy you health. God's prosperity can. That's just one. That's just one example. One example. There's a radically different definition for divine prosperity and the world's idea of prosperity. Now, though God's Word never promises that we're all going to be rich, God's prosperity does promise us divine favor, divine blessing, divine prosperity 
things that money cannot buy. God's prosperity means health. It means love. It means joy. It means peace. It means family. It means friends. It means salvation. It means a Savior. It means heaven. You can't put a price tag on what God's prosperity can purchase, procure, or buy. God's prosperity is priceless. It's priceless. Mark it down if you would. No matter how rich you are, if you're greedy, you're following a poverty plan. Well, the truly prosperous enjoy a spirit of generosity. Again, there's no middle ground in this. You're either greedy or you're generous. Don't, don't, don't try to naysay. Don't try to find some lukewarm, milk toast, namby-pamby, lukewarm, half-hearted middle ground. You're either greedy or you're generous. You're either a giver or a non-giver. You can't ride the fence in this. You see, many never enjoy real prosperity because they never learn God's plan for prosperity. Basic to God's plan for prosperity is giving. Giving to who? Basic to God's plan for prosperity is giving. Giving to who? Giving to who? I can't hear you. No, yourself. God wants you to give to you first. God wants you to give the first of your income to yourself. You are called to pay yourself. For, these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. Look again at Matthew chapter 6. But store up for who? Yourselves, treasures in heaven. Yeah, I'm having fun with you. <laughs> I haven't gone off my rocker. I didn't drink too much coffee this morning. Okay? When you pay the Lord's tithe, when you put God first in your financial picture, when you put God first in your budgeting, when you put God first in your week by coming to church on the Lord's Day. Sunday is still the Lord's Day. When you put God first in every area of your life, you are storing up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. In actuality, Jesus was trying to communicate by putting God first, you are putting yourself first. I'm bemused by, by, by some of you that you, you worry, you get with me and you worry so much about retirement and your focus, so much planning on retirement and saving for retirement. And, oh, retirement, pastor, you know, so secure. Oh, oh. God bless you for being a wise manager in the practical, but what are you doing in the spiritual? Retirement's just going to last for a short time compared to eternity. How much, how much, how much have you stored for yourself in heaven? In heaven. How much have you invested in the permanent instead of the temporary? That's another key point Jesus was not only saying, store up for yourself, yourselves treasures. Let's get off that. And now 
he was also focused on permanency. How much of your savings, your finances, how much of your time and your talent, how much of your treasure and your focus is in the transitory, the temporary, and how much is in the permanent? What are you doing for God that will last forever? Some of you, you're working your fingers to the bone to be happy, and all you're ending up with is bony fingers. I, some of you, you, you work so hard, and you save so much, and then on your first day of retirement, you're going to croak, and your kids who haven't worked a day in their life are going to get it all. <laughs> Dummy! I keep telling my kids, Becky and I, if the Lord tarries, we're just going to spend it all. <laughs> oh, my point, my point, my point is not your inheritance, the legacy. My point is, what are you focusing on in your life that will be permanent? Jesus bore down on the principle of invest into that which is permanent. If you are in your house and all of a sudden the smoke alarms went off, your house is on fire, would you leave your valuables inside? Huh? Would you leave? Oh, you just run out even if you had time. Okay? Just leave them in there. Let them burn. No, you wouldn't. You'd grab as many valuables as you could, and you'd run out of that house. Okay? You're with me? Help me in the illustration. Come on, work with me, saints. Praise the Lord. Okay, here's the principle. This earth is going to burn up. This world as we know it is not permanent. You're not permanent. I'm not permanent. Let's invest into that which will last throughout all eternity and gain us the applause of heaven forever and ever and ever. And here, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Especially after the announcement on the news, the breaking news of last night, if you know what's happened, I'm more convinced than ever. You better put on your white robe and lift up your head for our redemption draweth nigh. What's the breaking news? A deal with the powers of this world have been struck with Iran. Iran who has never kept a treaty in its history with, with Europe or America. Come on, wake up. And Israel, just as the Bible has prophesied time and time again, is left standing all alone. Not even, not even the United States is with Israel on this. Listen, we're living on borrowed time. Store up, store up, store up, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Amen. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Moth, rust, destroy, thieves break in and steal. It's not permanent. That's not permanent. How many of you out there are in the financial business? How many of you out there in the education business? How many of you are in the automotive business in one form, shape, or, or, or another? I'm in the eternity business. Go ahead, write me emails or letters. I'm in the eternity business, and whether you like it or not, I'm here to get you ready for tomorrow, which is forever. I'm called by God to get you in shape for eternity. I want to prepare you 
I don't want you to point a finger at me in eternity and say, why didn't you tell us the truth? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This world is passing, and it's passing quickly. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. I don't want you to go to, to heaven with empty pockets. I want you to go to heaven hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. To activate God's prosperity plan in your life and for your family, you must, you must, you must follow God's Word on tithes and offerings. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? Are you appearing on God's wanted poster? You are. If you've robbed God in tithes, in offerings, in what way have we robbed you? God answers, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. I preached this one year, and I got all anointed, and I said, I don't know about you, congregation, but I don't want an usher. I don't want an usher here at Lakeside Assembly of God taking your offerings and my offerings that doesn't tithe. I don't want men, I don't want ushers taking our tithes and offerings if he's not a tither because God's Word says he's a robber. I wouldn't trust him. After I got done preaching that, I had an usher quit, get mad on me. He was a popular man in the congregation. And a little stir took place in the congregation. That's okay. I'm going to preach God's Word. I'm going to stay on God's Word. I want men of integrity leading this church serving this church. Women too. In what way have you robbed We robbed you, God, in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? The reason you have not received yet your miracle? Could it be the reason why uh, it seems like dead end, dead end, dead end job after another? I, again, I'm not preaching condemnation. I'm, I'm presenting... A, alternatives I'm presenting to you questions an opportunity for you to explore that you're cursed with a curse because you have not been faithful in tithes and offerings verse 10 even this whole nation bring all the tithes into the storehouse God's storehouse is the church that there may be food in my house that our young people and our children could be ministered to over the weekend what happened with our young people our girls stayed the whole night over at the Hayes home. God bless the Hayes. And I mean that sincerely. To have a house full of girls, they had over 20 girls for a girls' Devo night over at the Hayes. They made hundreds of cookies because uh, the next day they were going to go out and do missions. The boys, they had a Devo night here in the church gym all night long where they were ministered to. The girls yesterday afternoon went to the kids' power company in Pontiac and rode the buses to pick up children from areas that look like a third world nation there in Pontiac. Would rip your heart out. Uh, uh, one of the problems they told me in Pontiac right now is that men are bursting into homes while families are in homes and stealing little girls to put them in the sex traffic trade. 
And our girls yesterday went to be and ministered to over 300 children yesterday, giving them cookies, giving them cards of encouragement and love. When you give in the Lord's tithe and offerings, we are enabled to do that kind of work and do that kind of ministry. Not here at, just here at home, but in places like our backyard, Pontiac. The Lord says, look at there. Bring all the tithes into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. <laughs> and try me now in this. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Prove me. Put me to the test. For you, so many of you this morning that have never tithed, or you're not tithing the first tenth of your gross income, don't debate with me. Don't say it's the net. My God is greater than your government. I said, my God is greater than your government. The first tenth comes off the gross, not the net. Try it. You'll like it. The Lord is saying to you, prove me now in this. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. When will you step out in obedience? When will you step out in faith? And follow God's Word. You believe God's Word as, as far as the salvation of your soul. You believe God's Word when it comes to the blood of Jesus. You believe God's Word when it comes to heaven and hell. Why can't you believe God's Word when it comes to giving? Yep, it's silent. That's okay. I'm going to preach it anyway. I'm going to preach it. I don't answer to you. I answer to Almighty God on that day of days. And I will preach His Word. I'm accountable to Him. Giving is God's prosperity plan for financial freedom and abundance in our lives. Tithing is more than the giving of 10%. It's the receiving of 90%. Honey, if you can't live on the 90%, something's wrong. Amen. And in fact, that 90% becomes more than 100%. I don't understand it mathematically. I don't understand it with the natural mind. Just as I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and produce white milk and yellow butter. But I keep drinking white milk and I keep eating yellow butter. <laughs> I don't understand how it works, but boy, I get blessed. I get blessed. Amen. I don't understand everything about God's economy. That if I give... <laughs> I receive. I don't give to get, but I've never given without getting. I will give you an abundance that you cannot even contain. Is the word of the Lord as we're faithful to Him. Is this just an Old Testament word? No, 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 no. Jesus said in Luke 6.38, if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you full and overflowing measure, pressed down and shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. Your argument's not with me, it's with the Lord. It's, the, it's with the Lord. God always repays for investment into His kingdom. Mark it down. God's prosperity plan is far more than giving tithes and offerings. If you think pastor's just preaching a stewardship message on money, 
And that stewardship is just money. You are so wrong, wrong, wrong. Stewardship, it's the effective stewardship of all, all, all that God has given you. Financial mismanagement. And I counsel a lot of it. I spend a lot of time in my ministry counseling situations that revolve around financial mismanagement. Financial mismanagement is operating by a poverty mentality. It usually, at its root, financial mismanagement, and you can be a zillionaire and operating by a poverty plan if you see yourself as owner of all that you have. But my name, my name is on the paycheck. I earned that money. I worked there and I made it. Who gave you a brain? Who gave you a body that works? Who gave you that opportunity at GM, Ford, or Chrysler? Who gave that to you? Listen, listen. I wish you could walk a week with me. I wish you could go into the terminally ill ward with me. I wish you could go with me to hospice, the nursing home, assisted care, the hospital. I wish you'd walk with me and come to gurneys and come to beds where people would do anything to have an opportunity to work again. God has given you a mind that works. He's given you a body. He's given you eyesight. He's given you open doors. He's given you America. Becky and I next week are flying into Albania. And I just know we're going to have a brand new appreciation for America when we come back home. God has given you a land of opportunity and liberty. What are you doing with all of the time and all of the talent and all of the treasure that God has given you? That's stewardship. You own nothing. You don't own your next breath. You don't own your next heartbeat. You own nothing. The Bible says you came into this world with nothing. And you're going to leave this world with Nothing. All that you have and all that you are comes from God above. So why can't you put God first? You're, you own nothing. You are a manager, a steward of what God has given. Hey, how would you like it that next week, next week after you deposit your paycheck, you get a postcard from Hawaii and your bank manager says, Hey, would you mind making another deposit? The wife, the kids, and I are just having a great time with your money. Man, we're having an awesome time. You would be enraged. You'd say, you were supposed to manage my money. You were to protect my money. You were to be a good steward over my money. You didn't own it. No wonder God says, you have robbed me. You have robbed me. Basic to sound financial management is being keenly aware we own nothing. We are stewards of all that God has given us. And there's a final auditing day coming when the books will be opened and it will be revealed. 
on how you have been a steward before Almighty God. Let me share with you those some basics in financial management real, real, real quick here. I want to I share with you four very basic keys straight from the Bible. Number one, maintain careful records. I usually find in my counseling that uh, when there's been a poverty plan, there have no records been kept, no files, computer or hard copy, no receipts kept. No, there's no financial plan that has been laid out on paper. Proverbs 27 says, Be sure you know the condition or the status of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. The principle is timeless. You cannot move out in sound financial stewardship unless you keep and maintain careful records financially. Number two, determine to live by a budget. Who is the first and the foremost financial planner that stated that? Jesus. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. Don't begin. Don't begin. Don't begin the new year. Don't begin next month until you count the cost. Have a budget. It's a blueprint for you and your household. Dream together with that budget. Match that budget with actualities. Uh, keep refining, keep tweaking your budget. Maintain and determine to live by a budget. Number three, develop a immunity to impulse buying. But preacher, if I want it, if it makes me happy, I'm going to take out the plastic. I'm going to hit the ground running at Lakeside Mall. And I'm going to pull out the plastic and go, charge! If I want it, I'm going to buy it. 1 John chapter 2, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but it comes from the world. It's worldly. Fourthly, maintain a debt-free lifestyle and goal. The average American, they tell us today, is living on 110%, 110% of their income. That means that they're living mostly on credit, on credit and on loans. Christian, I believe it's time for you to commit plastic surgery. Take out those credit cards and cut them up. The Bible says, Psalms 37, the wicked borrow and do not repay. Sounds like Washington, D.C. 1980s, you've heard me state it. In the 1980s, we were the greatest lender nation. Today, we're the greatest borrowing nation, not only on the planet, but in all human history. We are the most debt of any nation throughout the history of nations. God's prosperity plan is managing your greatest asset. What's your greatest asset? Outside of salvation, your family. Your family, get out of your head that pastor's just talking about money. Get that out of your head. Get it out of your head that pastor's just talking about tithing. Get that out of your head. Stewardship encompasses far, far more than money. It encompasses how well, how well are you managing your family, your relationships, your friendships. They're priceless. Fill your home. Fill your home with lots of love. Appropriate hugs, kisses, build memories. 
with your children, your grandchildren. My favorite picture, and Becky's got all kinds of art in our home, you know, from very, very costly art galleries, you know, like Big Lots and <laughs> Salvation Army. <laughs> I'm not an art collector, but there's a, there's a picture you could not buy off of me. Well, if you, all the, no, no. <laughs> there's a picture you could not buy off of me. It hangs, my, my, my most priceless piece of art hangs in my favorite room, my garage, over my work table, my man cave. It's from my daughter, my oldest, Julie. It shows, it's a black and white picture of a kid jumping off of a cliff. And you see him flying down, and, and Julie has written in red. It was one year she gave it to me on Father's Day, I think, and she didn't have any money, and, but she put this together, this picture of this boy jumping off a cliff, and in red she writes, Dad, thanks for all the memories. Man, I can't tell you. I worked so hard on vacations to give them memorable vacations. And we didn't have boring vacations. Many of you know my sermon illustrations. I about killed my family vacation after vacation. And we jumped off 75-foot cliffs. Some of you have been with me in the Smoky Mountains jumping off cliffs. You know I, do it. You know I didn't make it up. And uh, that, that meant so much to me. Uh, I, I look at that every day when I walk in my garage. Build memories with your family. I have visited the deathbed of CEOs, affluent, wealthy people in this world's eyes. Not one of those men said, I wish I could go back and work some more. I wish I had, I had a nicer gold watch from the company. Every one of them said, if I could do it more, I'd spend more time with my children. If I could do it again, I'd spend more time with my, my wife, my sweetheart. Build into your home. If you want to be an effective steward, lots of hugs, kisses. Build memories. Fill your home with encouragement and love. Enjoying God's prosperity plan means leaving your children and your grandchildren with a legacy of faithfulness. Are you leaving a legacy of faithfulness for your children and your grandchildren? When your children and your grandchildren see you faithful to God's house, they see you putting God first. When they see you faithfully reading your Bible and praying, they see you putting God first. When your children and grandchildren see you ministering at a lakeside big give like our Christmas big give coming up, they see you putting God first. When your children and grandchildren see you tithing, and giving in missionary offerings. They see you putting God first. When they see you letting Jesus be Jesus in you, they see you putting God first. No wonder Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The point's simple. Putting God first puts your whole life, your whole life into divine order. If you fail to put God first in your life or your family, 
You'll reap what you sow instead of real success. Failure instead of real joy. Sorrow instead of real blessing. Curse. Every one of my kids at one time or another have asked this question. Have your kids asked this question? The most recent was when my youngest, Jenny, was a little girl. And, and I can recall the little voice from the back seat of the car. Daddy, what? Daddy, are we rich? Your kids ever ask, are we rich? Honey, we are rich. We're filthy rich. Uh, I want you to know that mommy and daddy, we're richer than any millionaire or billionaire. Honey, we want you to know that we are rich with things that money can't buy. We are blessed with love and joy and peace and health and each other. <laughs> we are blessed with uh, a, a Savior and salvation. We are blessed with that which money with gold or silver cannot buy. We are redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus. We want you to know that we've got a holy condo in the skies. It's a mansion just over the helltop. We're talking about streets of gold I'm talking about heaven you ask me are we rich we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ hallelujah we're rich then she asked but daddy are, are we rich <laughs> uh, of course I didn't preach it like that in the car but basically said the same thing Honey, sir, ma'am, you're rich beyond imagination. God's prosperity plan, write it down, means real happiness. Real happiness. Real happiness. A, a couple was arguing over their finances, as couples sometimes do. My wife and I, we never fight. We have intense fellowship, but we never fight. And this couple was arguing over their finances. And he finally exploded and he said, If it wasn't for my money, this house wouldn't be here. She looked at him and said, If it wasn't for your money, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> money. Do you spend much of your time talking about money, thinking about money, finding yourself stressing out about it? You feel happier if you had more money? Uh, these are all symptoms of adopting a poverty plan. I would diagnose it right away. You've got a poverty plan that you're following. A poverty mindset. Again, doesn't matter how much money is coming in. Case in point, I've used it for years. Elvis, king of rock and roll. Had it all. Not just money. Popularity. Prestige. Unbelievable inconceivable worldly success. Elvis Presley, king of rock and roll, died on a toilet, the veins of an 80-year-old man at 42, over 14 different drugs in his body, the king of nothing. Poverty plan. J. Paul Getty, one of the first billionaires, after his fifth marriage had fallen into disaster, he said, I'd give it all up to have one good marriage. Howard Hughes, 
How did he die? How did he end up? Fingernails a mile long, out of his mind, eating nothing but candy bars. His business secretary was asked by the press, how much money did he leave behind? Press secretary said he left it all. <laughs> left it all. Malcolm Forbes. I wish I hadn't looked up his biography last night. Googling it made me sick. I wanted to throw up. They found a secret vault that they opened up art collection of Malcolm Forbes. The most homoerotic art imaginable. Filthy, perverted abomination. All of these men that I mentioned, despite the fact all kinds of inconceivable money coming in, died impoverished with a poverty plan. That's why I want to follow God's plan. God's plan's a prosperity plan. God's plan will give you peace, joy. The last week of his life, Elvis said, I'd give a million dollars to anybody that could give me really, real peace. I've signed so many contracts, I don't own myself any longer. No, you didn't, Elvis. You sold your soul to Satan. You followed his poverty plan. If you're following the devil's poverty plan, there's never enough. You're never satisfied. There's no peace. You show me a man or a woman that's, that refuses to be generous with God, and I'll show you a husband, I'll show you a wife, I'll show you a parent that will be stingy with their love, with their family. Some of you are having marital problems. Some of you are having family problems because your husband is not a tither. And if he's going to be stingy with God... He's going to be stingy with you. Mark my word on it. Hear the overwhelming amens. I know it's real quiet in here. That's okay. I can handle it. If you're stingy with God, it will translate into every relationship. Some of the greatest lovers out there are the generous people. They're generous with God's work. Amen. You know what it means when a guy's bald up here? It means he's a thinker. You know what it means when he's bald back here? Huh? He thinks, right, right. It means he's a lover. You know what it means when he's bald in both places? He thinks he's a lover. <laughs> See, anytime pastor preaches on money, he has to throw in a lot of jokes. <laughs> There's a plan here. <laughs> Uh, hey, real prosperity. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. He adds no sorrow to it. God's prosperity. There's no sorrow. There's satisfaction. Paul picks this up in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned the secret of contentment. Uh, in every Are you contented in every situation? For I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Real prosperity is knowing our source of blessing is not General Motors. It's, it's not Detroit Big Three. It's not the government. It's not the stock market. Businesses fail. The stock markets look out, by the way. Stock markets crash. Governments collapse. But the creator of the world and all that is, he never fails. Uh, his supplies never run out. That's why I'm able to say, the Lord is my banker and I shall not want. Hallelujah. 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 
Julie and Ryan, is it okay I tell this story? I'll ask you again. Pastor Ryan and Julie, for a year now, and the pastoral staff knows this, we've been praying with them. Our youth pastor and his wife, for a year, have been shopping for a home. They're in a little rental duplex that was built before, I think, Abraham Lincoln was born <laughs> in downtown Rochester. I keep thinking that they're going to find an Egyptian mummy in that basement. I mean, the boys, you know, when you live with two, two you know, when you're living with twin two-and-a-half-year-olds, boys, it's, you know, it's like an insane asylum. And they need room to expand. And we've just been really praying that the Lord would provide them a house according to their, their budget. But uh, in reference to their budget, a, a lot of people, especially in our age group, are able just to step up with cash. And they have bid time and time again, only to have their bid beaten down by somebody stepping up with cash. And it's not just, you know, only if they could have just bought a house three years ago. Oh, my. It's a seller's market right now, and multiple uh, bids are very common on just one transaction. And uh, last week, Sunday, uh, we went and toured a house that they were hot on, uh, even though it was, I, I, I swore I was up in the Upper Peninsula, and I thought, why are we so far away from the church again? And we're so far up. Uh, it, 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 it looked like, I mean, there was so much to mow and so much to plow. And, uh, I mean, it looked like the back 40 of, uh, you know, of a logger's uh, uh, ranch house. I mean, uh, the layout of the house looked like something designed by Picasso. I mean, it was just... And I didn't want to rain in their parade, but I was just, you know, just worried in my spirit of what they were getting into. And uh, we came back home, and I was, again, just really praying in my spirit, God, open up a door, open up a door. You see the need. You know the need. You promised. And Lord, these two kids, uh, I mean, as I was going through the faith promise cards with you all on Mission Sunday, I, I saw not just one big faith promise, I saw two big faith promises come through. And I said, Lord, you are so faithful. We got home and I said, I'm going online, just see what's out there. They kind of laughed because they live online for over a year. And our realtor, they said, our realtor gets the listings before the public gets the listings. I go online. I spend just five minutes online. That's how God works. Pop! I said, that's the house. Kids, that's the house. Got a showing the next day at the house. I walked five minutes in the house. I looked at Pastor Ryan. I said, pull the trigger. Pull it now. Pull it now. Now. He said, he said now. I said, now. Pull the trigger. That means go for it. <laughs> long story short, all week long, they made, the, made an offer, and again, multiple offers hit. Friday, Friday, uh, I wanted to go up and see it again, and I, I took uh, Pastor Ryan and Julie and the boys, Becky, with us, and the whole ride over, uh, I told Julie, you know... Maybe this isn't God's house for you. 
you know, probably somebody else has gotten it. Probably somebody else has offered 20, 25 grand more. Maybe you should rent for another year. I was just really, Yeah, pastor has a little teasing mode in him. We got in the living room of the house, and Pastor Ryan and I had this all arranged. Julie did not even want to walk into the house. She was so depressed. (laughs) Brought her into the living room of the house, and Pastor Ryan looked her in the eye and said, Honey, even though there's been multiple offers, in fact, a realtor was in there just before we arrived. Even though there's been multiple offers, our offer has been accepted. (laughs) And, oh, and and Julie, what? What? She went down to her knees, and I thought she was speaking in tongues. And she had her hands up. Oh, God, you're a good, and I'm shouting, you're a good God. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He wants to bless. Now, we're not through the woods yet. You know, don't count your chickens until they're hatched. There's a closing process. And, you know, we know that things could snafu, but then God's got something better. And I'm, I'm just sharing that story with you because God's got something better for you. And He always turns, He always turns the water into wine. He always reserves the best for last. Count on that. Count on that. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He desires to bless His children. That leads me to my last point here. Real prosperity is mastering your money. Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other. He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus' message is clear. You will either master your money or your money will master you. He doesn't allow any fence straddling here. You can't be singing, He is Lord, He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord and be serving money. Money can buy homes. Money can buy cars. Money can buy clothes. Money can buy things. But money can't buy you a relationship with God. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. If money's your God, if money's your master, it'll not only make you greedy, it'll not only keep you from being generous with God's work or reaching the lost, it will send you to hell laughing the whole way. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed even from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But if you'll follow God's prosperity plan, you'll enjoy real, real peace, real love, uh, real life now and forever. And the Lord will welcome you into heaven with well done, thou good and faithful servant. As Cindy comes to the keyboard this morning, legend tells us that they opened up a vault in the Vatican. I hope to be there in a couple of weeks. In Rome's Vatican, they opened up a vault, which is their custom every so often. They are, these vaults are like time capsules. And as they opened up this vault, behold, it was filled with gold and silver, diamonds, rubies, precious gems, heaped in abundance. In this room, 
And in the center of this room, seated upon a grand throne, was the conqueror, Charlemagne, who tried to revive the Roman Empire. And as he was seated upon his throne, surrounded by his riches, one skeletal, bony, mummified finger was pointing at the page a specific verse in a book the book the Bible they hurried to see what verse he was pointing to surrounded by wealth riches royalty and the verse were the words of Jesus for what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? A day is fast approaching. In fact, I need you right now to take your hand and place it upon your heart. Do you feel the beating of that heart? Every beat is taking you one step further from this world. Every beat is taking you one step further into the world to come. Heaven. Eternity. I ask you, is that beat taking you closer to heaven or closer to hell? That beat is taking you as certainty to judgment day. The Bible says on Judgment Day, the books will be opened and they will reveal. The books will open and they will reveal whether you have followed the devil's poverty plan or write it down, God's prosperity plan. What will the books say about you? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, that, oh God, oh God, that even now today, that, Lord, that you would save, that you would change, that you would rearrange, that, Lord, that you would grant a new home in heaven for souls that are here this morning. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Do you know that you know that you're right with God? Do you know for sure that heaven is your home? If there's any uncertainty in your life this morning, I want you to know that I'm prepared to pray a prayer. I'm prepared to pray a prayer of salvation. This has nothing to do with money. That it has everything to do with your soul. If you want to be included in this prayer, if you want to know that you're right with God and on your way to heaven, then as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just lift up your hand right now. Just lift it up so that I can see it. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. God bless you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. I see that hand. How many? How many? I want to be included in that prayer, Pastor. I want to know with certainty, heaven is my home. Jesus is my Savior. I want to be right with God. Yes, I see that hand. Five hands lifted up for Jesus. God bless you. How many more? How many more? Six hands. God bless you. Amen. How many more? Amen. Amen. 
I don't want to close this service without the greatest invitation ever given. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. If not, would you stand with me right now? In the name of Jesus. Jesus, be Jesus in me. Amen. Amen. Sing it with me this morning. Jesus, be Jesus in me. No longer me, but me. deacons come as you have lifted up your hand this morning I'm going to invite you to take one of the biggest steps you've ever taken and come down to this altar and I want to include you in the prayer of salvation if you lifted up your hand come right now it takes one person to start this and others will follow praise the Lord let's encourage them as they come amen amen you lifted up your hand if you mean serious business with God, come, come, step out, step out. Tell that person I'll walk down there with you. Don't let them walk alone. Don't let them walk alone. Tell them I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you. Come, come. Don't be embarrassed. I know this is a big step. I don't always do this, but I feel led to do it this morning. That's right. That's right. Let them out of the pew. If they're nudging out, let them out and walk with them down here. Don't let them walk alone. Amen. Amen. There were at least five hands lifted for salvation. I want to give just a few seconds for anyone else. Precious Jesus. I know it might be the biggest step of your life, but anytime Jesus called people to follow him, he made them make a public commitment for him. Amen. Anyone else? then let's pray right now. Let's pray. Let's pray. Make this prayer your prayer. If you raised your hand, make this prayer your prayer. Everyone pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now just as I am. I confess I have sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, make me brand new. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus, a new life. Jesus, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for a home in heaven. I thank you, Jesus. That I am saved. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the glory to God this morning. Precious Jesus.